Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to Matthew 16 this morning. And I want to continue with this that we've been on over the last, uh, this will be the fourth week, on the head in his body. And uh, the Lord's helping us with some wonderful things here. And, um, you know, the, the, the revelation about the church, the revelation of the church just grows and grows and grows and grows. Uh, you know, December, uh, this, this year, 2023, is our 25th year uh, pastoring in this location. And uh, we've uh, had the Little Rock location now for eight years. And, uh, you know, the Lord's good to us. But uh, the, the revelation of the church just continues to grow. And the Lord asked me, let's read a couple verses here, Matthew 16, verse 16 through 18. And it says, he, uh, And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, You are Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I was studying this, and, and of course I've studied these verses for any number of years, but I was studying one day, and the Lord asked me, He said, Why? will the gates of hell not prevail against the church? Why will the gates of hell not prevail against the church? Now, here's the key. If the Lord asks you why something is, pretty good indication you don't know, right? So he said, why is it that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church? And you'll hear people, uh, you know, people will, will, will use that phrase and and, and, you know, people will minister. I've heard ministers minister that. You know, well, but the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And usually it's when things are really going bad and, and there's hard times. Well, but praise the Lord, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I hope. Right? No. Hallelujah. Why is it that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church? Well, when you look at that word prevail... It means to overpower or to be strong to another's detriment. To overpower or to be strong to another's detriment or strong to the detriment of another entity, another person. Amen. So the gates of hell will never overpower or be strong to the detriment of the church. The ecclesia, the called out ones. But you'll hear people, you'll hear, you'll hear people on TV, you'll hear people in churches, uh, ministers, Christians, and they make statements like, the church is dead, the church is asleep, the church is weak, the church needs a revival. That might be the apostate church, but not the church, not the body of Christ. And, and to get all of it, you'd have to go back and listen to the previous three messages. But in, listen, 
in, in any person's body, in, in your body, just your physical body. There's, there can be any part of your body that's stronger and or weaker than the other part of your body. Amen. Most medical statistics are that one person, one of their arms is stronger than the other one. Because you tend to be right hand or left hand dominant. You, you follow me? Amen. Hallelujah. But, but that's no indication that your body's in trouble. There's just a part of it that's not as strong as the other part. There might be parts of the body of Christ that are not quite doing their job, but that's no indication that the body of Christ is in trouble. You, you need to understand that. When people talk about revival, they need to determine, they need to, they need to, to, to make sure that they qualify what they're saying. Amen. Because when you talk about reviving something, it means that what you were reviving was dead. Well, the body of Christ is not dead. The body of Christ cannot be dead because the head of the body is Christ. And the energy that flows through Christ flows through the body. Can't, can't be dead. The church is not dead. The body of Christ is not dead. Nothing wrong with the body of Christ in the earth. Amen. Amen. In Ephesians 1, we'll spend a lot of time in Ephesians. Ephesians 1, we, we see something. And we've been looking at this about every message. So, the gates of hell will never overpower, be strong to the detriment of the church. So why? Well, verse 21, notice. Talking about where he seated Christ. And we talked last Wednesday and, and, and talked about these words and, and the meanings in depth. But verse 21, he seated Christ far above all principality. And then we could say, and all power, and all might, and all dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The Amplified Bible says he is the supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church. All right? Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete, and who feels everything everywhere with himself. So he said the first reason hell will never prevail against the church is Christ is the head of the church and we're his body. Amen. Notice, the same power in the head is the power in the body. Amen. Amen. In the body, get, get a hold of this, in the body lives the full measure of Christ. Amen. The full measure of Christ. The full measure of Christ. If something's full, is there any room to put anything else in it? No, no, no. The full measure of Christ. So that means that God held nothing back when he made Christ the head of the church. The same power that he filled Christ with is the power that he's filled the body with. And the same power and the same measure of power that was in the head is in the body. Glory be to God. Amen. 
Glory to God. Do you see that? We are vitally connected to Christ. The life in Him is the life in us. And it's taken religion thousands of years to convince believers that that's not true. Because you'll hear people say, well, that was Christ. Yeah, but brother, that was Jesus. Amen. I mean, Jesus told demons to leave and they left because, after all, that was Jesus. And, we, and, we compl- and, and people completely overlook what Jesus said. You can't overlook Scripture to fit your denominational bent. Or what somebody taught. Amen. Do, do you see that? Say it out loud. The full measure of Christ dwells in the church. Amen. I, I'm telling you. You watch all these pseudo-kingdoms and all these pseudo-emperors and money-power-grabbing people. I'm, I'm telling you what. They'll all be dead and buried, and the church will still be alive. Why? Because we are the power in the earth. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the power in the earth. The devil is not ruling and reigning in the earth where the church is concerned. We are, we are holding back the darkness. We are holding back the onslaught of the enemy you might see some wicked men trying to prosper but Psalm 37 says don't fret yourself because of evil doers they're here today and gone tomorrow but the church will always be glory to God hallelujah the Bible says in the book of Acts that Herod stretched forth his hand vexed some of the church and he killed James, the brother of John, with the, or John, James, brother of John, with the sword. And it says because he sought pleased people, he took Peter and was going to kill him on Easter. But remember, the angel of the Lord came and delivered him. At the end of that chapter, it says there came a day that Herod made a speech, and as he started talking, the people began to say, "It's the voice of God, and not a man." And the angel of the Lord was standing beside him and smote him that he died because he didn't give the glory to God. So what happened to Herod? What happened to Herod? What happened to Herod? What did he do to the church? Tried to persecute it. Vex it. What happened to him? Oh, help me. You're not helping me. What what happened to him? You know what the next verse says? But the church of God grew. The word of God multiplied. Amen. Because even though there was pressure on the church, the church didn't panic. They just kept doing what they were doing. Amen. Glory to God. If I hear one more feeble need, limp-wristed, lily-livered, soft-tongued preacher get up and talk about how the church is in trouble, I don't know what I might do. I might not watch TV ever again. The church never did that. 
when they were under persecution, they went and they prayed. And they said, now God, you behold their threatenings. And you grant your servants boldness that we may preach the word of God. How did he say we would be bold? By stretching forth your hand to heal and doing signs and wonders in the name of your holy child, Jesus. And three verses later, it says, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how the church responds. That's how the church responds. Because we're full of the power of God. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. You're right there in Ephesians 1. Huh. Look at, uh, well, let's start in verse 16. He says, we cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in our prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, you may know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now watch. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if I do, it's okay. We can catch up. Available to us who believe. All right? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Notice, those who believe, it's, it's available to those that believe according to the working of his mighty power or the might of his power, which he wrought. Now, see, don't separate that. He says, the might of his power is available to the church, and we see how strong it was because that's the power he used to raise Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. The, the, the greatest manifestation of the power of God ever was manifest in two elements. When he raised Christ from the dead and when he saved you. Took the same power. Took the same power. Amen. The, the Bible says that when you look at, when you look at the universe, it's, it's the work of God's fingers. Amen. It's, it says that when you look at, at, at the world, it was the work of his hands. But it says when he raised Christ from the dead, he made bare his holy right arm. He exposed his strength. Because when God created the planets and the universe, that nobody was resisting him. Nobody was resisting him. When he raised Christ from the dead, all of hell resisted him. Hallelujah. But he manifest his power. When you were born again, you were dead in trespasses and sin. Is that right? And the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead had to enter into you and raise you from the dead. Glory to God. How, how is it that it's possible that that happened? You had to believe it. 
You had to believe that that power was coming on the inside of you. The book of Romans says that you got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The moment that you believed it, the power of God entered into your spirit and totally recreated you and made you a new creature in Christ Jesus, and you were raised from sin and brought into new life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. you you got to hear me, and hear me when I say this, so, so that you don't think I'm saying something I'm not. The man Jesus who rose from the dead was not the man Jesus that went into the grave. Amen. No. No. He went into the grave, a man anointed by God, a man full of the Holy Ghost, a man who had never sinned so he could pay the price for you and I. When he rose from the grave, he rose from the grave triumphant, victorious, glorified with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's why you're an eternal being. That's why you'll never die. One day this body will fall over with a thud if the Lord tarries. But you'll come out of your body and you will never, you have been given eternal life. There's nothing the devil can do about that. You have been given power over death. Hebrews 2.14 says, because those that were made flesh and blood, amen, that Jesus became flesh and blood so that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. I need you to see this. People are talking about the devil, and he's destroyed. Amen. Can, can you show me that in Amplified Bible? Don't, don't spend time talking about how the devil's fighting. Ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Notice that, that, that by going through death, he might bring to naught. Now, that means Nothing. Bring to nothing and make of no effect. Now stop right there and let me ask you a question. How many believers do you know that talk about the devil that way? Has no power and no effect. No, y'all pray for me, the devil's fighting. Y'all pray for me, the devil's been on me all week. Y'all pray for me, the old devil. Oh, the old devil. The old devil, can, can you back up and show me the first part of that verse again? Since therefore these his children, are you children of his? Yes. Sharing flesh and blood in the physical nature of human beings, he himself, Jesus, in a similar manner partook of the same death, the nature of man, that by going through death he might bring to nothing and make of no effect him who had the power of death. Had. Did he bring him to nothing? I say, did he bring him to nothing? Does he have no effect on you? Well, the devil fights. Of course he fights. He's prideful. He's not going to admit that he lost. He's not going to admit it until the day comes when he has to admit that Jesus defeated him. Now listen, just because he won't admit it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Did it happen? I say, did it happen? Yes. Did, was he defeated? Yes. So what does that mean? 
He's been brought to nothing, and he has no effect over you. Amen. But I've had people tell me, well, now, Pastor, you know the devil has power. Uh, whatever power you give him. I'm going to tell you something. And, and you do whatever you, you want to do with what I'm, I'm about to tell you. If you don't want to be moved, you can't be moved. If you won't be moved, you can't be moved. Why? He doesn't have the power to do it. He doesn't have the power to do it. He's the God of this world. Oh, and you're part of this world? People will go, "Uh uh-huh. No, you're not. Because Jesus said you're in the world, you're not of it. All the way through the, 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 the New Testament, all through the Pauline epistles, all through the scriptures, there's a distinction made between the kingdom and the world. And the Bible says we're part of the kingdom, not part of the world. We're in it, not of it. You're in this building, but you're not of this building. Amen. If something happened to this building, you're not going to say, Dear Lord, look what happened to us. It's the building, not you. The Bible says he's the God of this world. Not the God of God's people. Where God's people are concerned, he's a zero and has no effect on the people of God. Listen, Jesus himself said in the book of Luke, he, he was talking about, you got time for this? He was talking about casting out devils. And the Pharisees accused him of casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of devils, which made no sense. But anyway, Jesus said, if I cast out devils with the finger of God, the finger, that's how much power it takes for God to cast the devil out. It's like you're flicking a fly. Right? He said, who do, your, who do your children cast them out by? And then he made this statement. He said, when a strong man is armed and he keeps his house, he keeps all of his goods secure. He said, but when a stronger than him comes, watch, he don't just defeat him. It says he goes in and spoils his house and takes from him all the armor that he trusted in and divides the spoils. Is that what it says? Overcome him, takes from him all his armor where he trusted and divides his spoils. Show, show me that in the Amplified Bible. Please. Glory to God. See, we're learning why the, why the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. When, but when one stronger than he attacks him and conquers him, he robs him of his whole armor on which he had relied and divides up and distributes all of his goods as plunder and as spoil. Amen. When Jesus rose from the, from the grave with the power of death, hell, and the grave, then he distributed to his body all the spoil. What was it? All authority all power over all the works of the devil. Amen. Amen. Read, read through the four Gospels, and you'll never hear Jesus talk about the power of the devil. Ever. You'll never hear Paul talk about the power of the devil. They talk and tell you what he is predisposed to do. Steal, kill, destroy, lie, and murder. 
Never the power of the devil. Why is it we're not taught in any New Testament scripture to pray against the devil? I'm, right? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, read it for yourself. There's not one scripture where the Bible says to pray against the devil. It tells us to take authority over the devil. Not pray about it. Who takes authority over the devil? I say, who takes authority over the devil? Oh, hallelujah. You believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? Amen. Then don't ever ask anybody to agree with you that the devil will leave you alone. That's your job. I don't need agreement. That's my job. Oh, glory to God. Well, Pastor, you know, I just know. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Listen, you're mistaken. If you think the devil can do whatever he wants, you are mistaken. He cannot. He cannot. Okay, let's, let's, let's just look at the scripture. Now, I, I got more to get into here. So, James chapter 4, when it tells us, remember what it says about the devil? Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Does it say that or not? What, what, what do we do? Resist. What do we do? Resist. Who? Yeah. And what does he do? Flee. Is that right? Yeah. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church because the devil's got to flee from you when you resist him. Yeah. Brother Dave, can you show me that in the Amplified Bible? We're just teaching a little today. Be subject to God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. So what do you got to do? Stand firm. If you won't be moved, you can't be moved. It's your choice, what you choose. Amen. Yeah, but, but the devil's throwing these things at me. I know, but you're just right there behind the shield of faith, safe and secure. And the shield of faith is quenching all the fiery darts of the wicked. You can hear him hitting your shield, but you're just enjoying the goodness of Canaan land behind that shield. You're just at the table in the presence of your enemy. All the stuff going on around you, and you're enjoying whatever you like to enjoy. And faith in the Word is handling everything the enemy's throwing your way. Because it can't prevail. It cannot prevail. I've had people say, well, that hadn't been my experience. I'm sorry, your experience was wrong. Because, because your experience doesn't count when it contradicts the Word. Amen. Well, I've known people that the devil took out. They let him. I said, they let him. Amen. See, we're the church or we're not. If we are, then we're everything God said. Look at uh, uh, 1 Peter 5, uh, verse 7 through 9. It's a familiar verse. Notice, cast all your care on him because he cares for you. Now, and after you do that, be sober, be vigilant, and watch. Prepare yourself for a fight. Get ready to do battle. Because you're at, no, no. Be sober, sober-minded. Think right. 
Now think, think about this. Thinking right is not looking behind a bush for a devil. Well, I got to keep my eyes out for the devil. No, you don't. Just walk like who you are. Be sober. Be sober-minded. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil. So we have an adversary. Is the devil. Isn't it good to know who the adversary is? Isn't, isn't it good that it's not like a lot of church people think that God's the adversary? He, he outlines right here, the devil is the adversary. He walks about, notice, as a roaring lion, walketh about. And, and, and I know we've emphasized this to you before, but I want you to see this. As a roaring lion, not a roaring lion. In, in other words, he just roams about like a lion roams about looking for easy pickings. Hallelujah. Seeking whom he may devour, whom he may, who will give an opportunity, who will give permission. That's a good place for you to say, I don't give you permission. Amen. Notice what the next part of that verse says. Whom resist? Oh, my. doesn't say fight. Do battle. Spiritual warfare. It says to resist him steadfast in the faith. So where's your resistance? In your faith. In your faith in what? What the Bible says about you. Amen. And notice what it says. Your brethren that are in the world are going through the same pressure that you're going through. Amen. Glory to God. But what, what's the answer? Resist. Amen. Resist. So back in Ephesians 1, he says, the power that he wrought in Christ, in verse 20, when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. The power that he wrought in Christ. So the power of God working our, our behalf is not thought of here as operating only in the future, but presently. Presently. That power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead is presently at work within you now. Oh, glory. The word exceeding, one of the reasons that it's working now is that word exceeding speaks of power that is beyond measure. More than enough of surpassing power. That's the power that's at work within the church. Oh, hallelujah. The Phillips translation says, and how tremendous is the power available to us who believe in God. The New English Bible says, how vast the resources of his power open to us who believe. So this is the same power that God wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's available to you and I. The word wrought means to be operative, to be at work, 
or to put forth power. And the idea is this, that this might or power was operative in Christ when the Father raised him from the dead. One translation says, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. The Bible in basic English says, how unlimited is his power to us who have faith. Oh, glory. Are you faith builders? Amen. How unlimited is his power to us who have faith? Tell your neighbor, say, the power I have available to me is unlimited by faith. Tell him again, the power I have available to me is unlimited by faith. Glory to God. Unlimited. Now, why is that so important? The devil has a limit to his power. We have no limit. What, what you'll find as you listen more and more to this series is how little authority the devil has. Now, I'm not saying that flippantly. Yeah, yeah, old devil, he don't know. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, you'll find out how little he has. There's no limit to our authority. It covers everything. Satan only has the authority you will let him exercise. Well, he can exercise his authority over the world. Yeah, but you're not the world. You're the church. You're the kingdom of God in the earth. It's important. Amen. Now, notice something. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. This resurrection power belongs to the church. It's ours by faith. Ephesians 2, 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Oh, hallelujah. Now notice, the and you, that brings us into it. He's talking about how Christ was quickened, but then he says, and you, he's quickened. Amen. That shows the same power Applied toward believers. In other words, God quickened us just like he quickened Christ. Two things that happened in redemption is that, that involved Christ and us in the mind of God. The first one was that when Christ died, you died. Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ. In the mind of God, when Christ died, you died. Matter of fact, in the mind of God, when Christ died, every person on the earth died. Because the price was paid for everybody. Right? But for the believer, it goes on and says, I am crucified with Christ, yet I live, yet not I, old me, but Christ lives in me, new me. And the power, the, the life I live, I live now through the power of him that gave himself for me. And this verse, when Christ was quickened, In God's mind, I was quickened with the same power. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. The Father, now notice in uh, verse 20, Ephesians, well, actually, uh, my goodness, there's so much here. 
Look at verse 6. He, he's, he talks about our past, but verse 6 says, He's raised us up together and made us sit together. The Amplified Bible says we've been given joint seating with Christ. Now here's a question. Where is Christ seated? Far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, every name that is named. If you're made to sit down together with him, giving you joint seating with him, where are you seated? You are seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that is named. Hallelujah. We spent too much time singing, won't it be wonderful there? Hmm. You operate in total authority on this earth. But this is so important because, because you, 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 you need to understand what happened at the transaction point when Christ left the earth. In Matthew 28, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now you go. Because I'm transferring it to you. Well, I believe Jesus has all authority. Yeah, but Jesus the man is not in the earth. He's in the earth through the church. Jesus the man is seated at the right hand of the Father. What's the Bible say he's waiting on? Till his enemies be made his footstool. Well, who's doing that? Who's making his enemies his footstool? The church. And, and, and what, where are his enemies? They're his what? His footstool. Where do you put a footstool? Under your head? Under your back. Where? Where? So where's the enemy? Glory to God. You see this? So the Bible makes the enemy nothing more than the footrest of Christ and the church. And we blew him up into this big issue. Amen. Glory to God. Oh, the devil's fighting. Put him back under your feet where he belongs. Hey, get under here. Amen. You understand this? Well, the devil's trying to put this sickness on me. He don't have a right. He don't have the authority to do that. I said he does not have the authority to do that. Sickness is not part of my right. Healing is my right. Amen. Glory to God. Remember what the scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 7? It talks about that, that it says, uh, your God, he is God, the, 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 the faithful God, the merciful God that keeps covenant and mercy unto a thousand generations. And then it goes on down and it says, and none of the diseases of this world that you know will come on you because I'll take sickness from your midst. What, what, so what does God do with sickness? I say, what does God do with sickness? 
takes it. How can he take it from the New Testament believer? Because Jesus bore it away. And whatever Jesus took from us, God can take from us. Whatever Jesus took from me, I can keep away from me with my authority. Anything that was bought and paid for through redemption, it is my right via my authority to say, no, you don't. Stay out of my life. Glory be to God. Amen. Say, say it out loud. The diseases of this world, I don't mind telling you, I'll never have them in Jesus' name. Well, I'm believing God for some things to change in my body. Then they're changing, aren't they? If you're believing, they're changing. If you're believing, they're changing. They're, when are they changing? Right now, right now, right now, right now. That's changing in your body. It's changing in your heart. It's changing in your organs. It's changing in your physical condition. When's it changing? Right now. Right now. Right now. Because you told it to. That's why. Because you told it to. Lay hands on yourself right now. Say, body, line up with the Word of God. I take authority over every part of my body. And I command. I command you to be well. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. Now, now, now I'm going to go on. You, you get, and this is not just words. Words are authority. The, the man came to Jesus and said, my servant's at home, grievously sick. And Jesus said, I'll come heal him. And the man said, no, you don't have to do that. He said, I'm a man under authority. And I tell one to go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. I tell one to do this, and he does it. I say, I tell, right? He said, I know how authority works. It works in words. And if you tell him to be well, he'll be well. And what Jesus say? I've not found such great faith. No, not in Israel. And he turned around and told the people. And he wasn't just talking about the physical land Israel. He was talking about the people of Israel. I have not found that kind of faith among the people of Israel. You can't operate faith without operating authority. And you can't operate authority without operating faith. When someone says, my heart problem, they have authorized it to stay. Because through your authority, you said it was yours. Now think about this. So it's not the devil. It's what I said. Got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Amen. Whatever you say, what do you do? You let it stay said. Amen. Right now, are your children turning from darkness to light and the power of Satan to the power of God? Right now, are they? Hey, hallelujah. Glory to God. Right now, has God hedged their way up with thorns so that they can't turn back and go after the things of the devil anymore? Is that working right now? Now, here's the question. Is it working because you see it, or is it working because you said it? See, your position is one of being seated with Christ. That may not be your circumstance, but it is your position. What God said is true. That may not be my circumstance, but it is true because I said it. 
How do I know all of your children will be saved? How do I know that? Because God said it. God promised it. It's part of the covenant right of the New Testament believers. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. It doesn't mean all my children were born again when I was born again. It means because I'm born again, I have a covenant right that my children will be born again. And I declare it. And if my eyes close in death and I don't see it physically happen, I'll see them on the other side. Why? God cannot lie. Glory to God. I'm trying to get something and y'all keep dragging me away. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What you say? Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> look, look at Ephesians 3 and 20. I'm, what time is I got time? You're not in a hurry anyway. Spring break. Glory to God. Ephesians 3 and 20. Unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. According to the power that works in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. So notice it says that the Father can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Notice this according to the power that works in us. So that means in the church, there's enough power to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But notice this. This is where the the importance. Oh, glory. This is determined by how much we yield to that power. We determine the level to which that power flows. Our yieldedness. So there's no limit to what God can do through the church. But the believer limits the working of the power by our degree of yieldedness to it. I'm not just talking about yielding to the power of God in a service. I'm talking about yielding to the power in you on a daily basis. Amen. Because it's in you when? Every day, everywhere you go. Is that right? I got to yield to it. See, this is why the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. Because there will always be an element of the church that yields to the power of God. And the power of Satan can never overcome the power of God. Can't even start it. I want you to know there's no war going on. You can't, you can't have a war with a defeated foe. Well, I just believe there's a war going on. Will you keep fighting it, sweetie? I'll just rest over here with the overcomers. You you ought to tell your neighbor, say, I'm on the overcomer side too. The Bible says they that have believed have entered into rest, not war. Not not warfare. Well, we're instructed to battle the devil in Ephesians 6. No, we're not. We're instructed to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand in the evil day. Notice it didn't say fight. It didn't say do warfare. It said stand. 
Read Ephesians 6. Read it yourself. All of it shows you and I repelling the attack of the enemy. The devil's trying to take back what used to be his. And you and I are standing in the armor of God with the shield of faith quenching all the fiery darts of the wicked, the helmet of salvation repelling all the thoughts of the devil, our, sh- our breastplate of righteousness showing we're right with God and do not operate in condemnation. We have on shoes of peace that promote the gospel. And no matter what the enemy throws, we just stand. Read read the Amplified Bible there sometimes. It says, and having overcome all. Having overcome all. Where we seated far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, every name that's named. So have we overcome a few or have we overcome all? All. You're, You're overcoming is dependent upon your yieldedness to it. Oh, hallelujah. Now, the enemy wants us ignorant to that fact. When we yield to the power within us, we see exceeding abundant things far above all we could ask or think. Many of you are seeing them. I hear testimonies all the time. You're seeing them. I say you're seeing them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Got to, just got to tell, I, I get testimonies all the time, but one in particular this morning, we, we laid hands on a handkerchief, and, and a person took it to a friend of theirs, needed to see the levels change in their body, and needed to see things change, and got the report today. After putting that handkerchief on them, the levels started changing, the levels are going down where they need to be, and things are turning around. Why? The power that works in us. Amen. Glory. Jesus did not say the gates of hell would not prevail against heaven. You know, the devil's not there. He'll never make another inroad into heaven. He's been cast down. It said, notice, he said the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. The same power that was in Christ is in the church. And the level we yield to it determines the level to which it operates. Look look at John 14. Let's read something Jesus said. I think he's a good resource. Wouldn't you think so? And you know, the thing about it is, if the Bible says it, you can't argue with it. I mean, you can, but you you shouldn't. But but, but if Jesus says it, that, that puts an end to all of it. John 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, King James says, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, He that believes on me. Now remember what this power is dependent upon, what you believe. He that believes on me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. Now Jesus said that. Now I've heard people talk about that and they'll say, well, you know, he didn't mean greater in kind. He meant greater in scope. And I may have even said that at one point. But then the more you look at it, you think, no, wait a minute. Did he mean what he mean or did he not mean what he mean? Did he mean what he said or not? Greater works than these shall you do. And then he says, because 
I go to my Father. So Jesus said the believer, the church, would do the works he did and greater than these. And he said, because I go to my Father. Show, show me that in the Amplified Bible, please. I want, I want you to see something here. We got a couple more. I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, if anyone, now what? If what? Who, who's this applied to? Everybody. Applies to me, applies to you, anybody who believes. He himself will be able to do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. Is that right? Did you just find yourself in John 14, 12? What did you find yourself as? One that can do the greater works. Is that right? Whew. Now, what was the first thing that Jesus asked the Father to do when he ascended to the Father? To send the Holy Ghost to infill the church. Is that right? Look at Luke 24. And verse 49, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Hallelujah. One translation says, until you have been invested with power from above. The New English Bible says, until you are armed with the power from above. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see this? This is important. Because especially in Pentecostal charismatic circles, we make much of the Holy Ghost and we make much of praying in tongues and speaking in tongues, and we should. But Jesus said the first thing that would happen when you were filled with the Holy Ghost is you'd receive power. And, and, and the word is dunamis. Wonder-working, miraculous power. Now, th th this is important. Because why will the gates of hell not prevail against the church? Because the same power that Jesus was full of, I'm full of. Now, think about this. Think about this. If you ask the nominal believer, why did Jesus, why could Jesus do the works he did on the earth? Here's what they'll say. He was the son of God. Okay. But wait a minute. The Bible says, beloved, now are we the sons of God. Was there a greater need for Jesus to do miracles, signs, and wonders in the earth at his time than there is for us in our time? No. Well, he did miracles, signs, and wonders to prove he was the son of God. No, he didn't. Because Jesus told him, you won't believe if you do see signs and wonders. What did he say to the, to the rich man in the book of Luke when the rich man was in hell? What did Abraham say to him? He said, Father Abraham, I got brothers that are not right. Send Lazarus to them to warn them so they don't come to this place. What did Jesus say? They have Moses and the prophets. And if they don't believe them, they'll not believe one that came back from the dead. If you don't believe this, you won't believe any manifestation. You won't believe anything anybody says because you don't believe this. 
Jesus was not doing signs and wonders and miracles because he was the divine son of God. He was doing signs and wonders and miracles because he was a man anointed by God. Amen. I, got, I got proof for you in the Bible. It's in the B-I-B-L-E. Amen. I, I, learned, I learned almost 30 years ago not to teach something that grandma taught and I just bought. Amen. That'll keep you sick, dead, and defeated. Look, 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 look here at the. <laughs> no, that's not a verse in the Bible. Look here at. <laughs> I, I, I won't take the time uh, to, to look at all these, but you remember in Acts chapter 1, Jesus told them not to leave Jerusalem until they had received the promise of the Father. And verse 8 of Acts 1 says, You'll receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you'll receive power. Now, see, people in spirit-filled churches will talk about how they have the Holy Ghost, and then they'll say out of the same side of their mouth, we just don't see the power anymore. Well, you got it. Why are you not yielding to it? How can the gates of hell overcome an entity that has the power of God within them? Cannot. Cannot. Let me hurry. See, they, 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 they were saved, but they weren't filled. Look at Luke 4. This, this is an account from the life of Jesus. Again, I think he's a good resource. And what I want you to see is that very often people just read over this, and, and they get to the battle. Got to get to the battle. Do you know what's interesting? You never see Jesus deal with the devil like this again. Why? Why did he have to overcome the enemy in the wilderness? Had to overcome him for us. He overcame him in the wilderness and could give us the authority to do the same thing. But notice, how did... Well, let's look. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read through all the verses. When the, the devil said something three times, and Jesus answered specifically three times. But notice something. This is how the head dealt with the enemy. How did he deal with him? He dealt with him full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of the Holy Ghost. What did Jesus say would happen when the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost and filled the believers? What did he say would happen in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? You shall receive. You shall receive. You shall receive. What do you think happened to Jesus when he was baptized in the Holy Ghost in the River Jordan? What happened to him right there? He received power. Well, he already had the power. No, he didn't. No, he did not. You have no biblical reference for that. He received the power to do signs and wonders after the Holy Ghost infilled him. Amen. Why is that important? Because he said, the same works that I do, you'll do, and greater than these will you do because I go to the Father. What did he do when he went to the Father? Sent back the Holy Spirit, which contained what? The same power that he received in the River Jordan. Amen. Now think about this. 
Show me one instance in the four Gospels. And the four Gospels is a basic outline of the three and one half years of the ministry of Jesus Christ, the man on the earth. And show me one instance where the enemy even started to overcome him. Doesn't exist. And he was one man. He was the son of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Would that be fair? Would that be fair that Jesus had some kind of hidden authority that we don't know about? You know, some kind of easy button? That when the enemy attacked him, he just go, easy, easy, easy. <laughs> Hit the easy button, boys, we're in trouble. On the boat in the middle of the storm, asleep. And the disciples wake him up. Why didn't y'all hit the easy button? And what did he do? He stepped up and he said, he commanded the, the wind to die down and the sea to stop. And then what did he do? Then what did he do? Then what did he do? He turned to them and said, how is it you have no faith? Is that right? Why would he do that? He expected them to do something about that. And you know what they did? What a large part of believers do today. What manner of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. And my pastor says it this way, the kind of man that they should have been. Do you understand that? This is important. Because if the same Holy Ghost is in you, that was in Jesus. The same power is in us that was in Jesus. I got to be done. I realize that. But uh, do you remember in Acts chapter 3? And you can write it down, Acts 3, 4 through 8. And it says that Peter and John went up to the temple to pray, the, the, the hour being the ninth hour. And they came upon that man that was laid there daily at the gate beautiful. And he them and he and he and and the bible says he expected to receive something from them and peter looked at him and you can probably quote it with me peter looked at him and said silver and gold have i none but such as i have but such as i have i give you now watch in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk what did he give him he gave him his authority he gave him his power That what? Healed him. And how did he exercise that power and authority? Through the name of Jesus. So you're going to tell me that an entity in the earth that has the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of them and the right and the authority to use the name of Jesus can be prevailed upon by the gates of hell. I disagree. It's not happening. Amen. Do you see that? Peter said his name and faith in his name healed him. They were witnesses unto Jesus after the power filled them. Remember what Jesus said? He said, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you'll have power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me, not witnesses about me, not witnesses for me, witnesses unto me. What does unto me mean? When they healed somebody in the name of Jesus, it was irrefutable proof that Jesus was still alive. Because they did it in his name. You can do nothing in the name of a dead man. Because that dead man, by legality, does not exist anymore. 
Don't you get in trouble or should get in trouble for using a dead person's identification? Won't you get in trouble for that? Why? It's, it's false. That man doesn't exist anymore. He's dead. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive at the right hand of the Father where I'm seated with him doing his bidding, doing his wishes on the earth, keeping the devil underneath my feet. Is that right? Let me finish with this. Acts 4.33. Notice what it says. This is after they had been threatened. Notice what it says. With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Weymouth says with great effect. Philip says with great force. Jesus never spent time talking about the devil's power. Peter never spent time talking about the devil's power. Paul never spent time. None of the apostles, none of the epistles spend time talking about the devil's power. Hallelujah. We're told his traits, his mindset, the things that are inherent within him. But then we're told that uh, he's defeated. And we're told how to keep him in a defeated position. Another reason the gates of hell will never prevail against the church is because the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Cannot overcome cannot prevail against the church amen have you noticed let me close with this see i got to fold these notes up and then you'll know i'm closing <laughs> naturally means nothing but but i am finished but no I, I want you to notice have you noticed that all the horrible bad things all the destruction Everything that all the pundits said was going to happen. Have you yet noticed that none of it's happened? How many in the last going on three years now are worse off than you were three years ago? How many are better? Hmm. But everything's going to hell in the handbasket and there's nothing that can be done. I mean, after all, a natural election can just kill the presence of God. I mean, the church is just dead because, you know, um, somebody that we don't care for is, is in power. And look at all they're going to do and look at what they're going to Look what's going to happen and look what's going what, to what's occur. There has been more pro-life legislation passed. There's been more victories for the church in the last three years. You, our state of Kansas is better off spiritually and politically than we were three years ago. The state of Arkansas is better off than it was three years ago, politically, spiritually, every area. Yeah, but they're trying to do this, and they're, key word, trying. I'll share this with you as we're closing. There are things the enemy wants to do, but a praying church will stop them every time. The Lord helped me see something not too long ago. He said, there are things the enemy wants to do in the finances of this nation. But if the church prays, they can turn it and won't ever experience the worst of it. I'm, I'm, I'm like the Apostle Paul. I'm beseeching you. 
I'm begging you, don't add your words of authority to the garbage that's yet you're hearing. Amen. Don't add your words of authority to that. What did he say? He said, when they say there's supply chain issues, what do we say? I do not expect to be affected. When they say it's times of recession, what do you say? It's times of refreshing. And I got, I got reports today of people, people knocking off things off their vision list, paying off debts. There are people in here, you own a better home than you've ever owned in your life, and you got it within the last three years. There are people that you own better vehicles now than you've ever owned, and you got them in the last three years. How many have got major raises and bonuses in the last three years? All over the room. Thought it was the worst of times. Yeah, but the world's going through it. Yeah, but the people I just saw raise their hands, they're not of the world. You're not the world. You're the kingdom. I bet you. Listen, there's no stopping. Just stand up. Amen. Just like a freight train. You can't stop it. You just got to disconnect. But here's the thing. Six o'clock tonight, we'll be hooking back up. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I'll say it again, Lord. This group will never suffer shortage again. This group will never suffer shortage again. This group will never suffer shortage again. In the name of Jesus. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah.